0: Water, Earth, Fire, Air. Long ago, four nations lived in harmony. Then everything changed when Fire Nation attacked. Only the Avatar, master of four elements, could stop them. But when the world needed him the most, he vanished. A hundred years passed, and my sister and I discovered the new Avatar. An airbender named Aang. And although his airbending skills are great, he still has a lot to learn before he's
1: ready to save anyone. But I believe Anne can save the
2: world. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to What's Oppa, A rewatch podcast of the greatest show ever, Avatar The Last Airbender. I'm Joyce.
1: I'm Justin. And I'm Anand. And this week, we want to give a special shout out to our friend Flynn, who read the intro.
2: This is episode 29 of our podcast, where we'll be discussing the library. Um, and a quick fun fact before we get into the plot, uh, this episode was actually originally aired as a part of a one-hour special called Avatar, the Fury of Aang. So this episode was the first part, and the desert was the second part, um, which kind of like makes this episode a lot more intense, because as we'll see very shortly, it does not start out that way.
1: Mm-hmm. It does not. In fact, it starts out very peacefully with Team Gang in the middle of some planes, and they're just hanging out, and Aang, he pulls out this flute, and he's like, watch, and he plays a note, and this groundhog pops up out of a hole and sings the same note back. It's very cute. Yeah, Aang is just conducting this orchestra, and then Sokka comes up, and he's like, yo, we should be making plans, but Aang, and Aang's like, I'm learning the elements as fast as I can. I practice hard every day with Toph and Katara. I've been training my arrow off." And then Sokka's like, even if you do master all of the elements, then what? It's not like we have a map of the Fire Nation. Should we just head west until we reach the Fire Lord's house? Knock knock, hello Fire Lord, anyone home? And yeah, this is just kind of funny because as we know when Aang enters the Fire Nation palace in the day of Black Sun, there's no one there and he actually says, hello, anyone home uh, when he realizes there's no one there. So that's just a fun little tidbit.
2: Ooh, some good foreshadowing, which yeah. we'll see a lot of in this episode um, as it, you know, ties everything together so nicely. So the next scene is at the Misty Palms and they come to this place and it's kind of like an oasis in a little town.
1: Yeah. So I was doing some research online and just was looking at some of the inspiration for this Misty Palms Oasis and kind of the architecture and the people that live there. And in general, there's a lot of similarities to a lot of, uh, central Asian, um, peoples, and also I guess, Northern African peoples, cause they're in the middle of a desert. Um, but especially they made similarities to the Xinjiang region of China and a lot of, um, comparisons to the Uyghur people there. Cause it's kind of like, the, basically what they're dressed in, also the um, architecture of the houses they are kind of onion shaped roofs and square houses. And there's a couple cities in the Xinjiang uh, region, uh, Kashgar and Turpan, which are both cities that have oases and Kashgar also has a wall around the oasis. So it seems mm-hmm. like they did kind of take direct inspiration from that region, which is pretty cool.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that is really cool. Um, and then, yeah, so then they walk into a bar where there are a bunch of sandbenders standing outside looking real menacing.
0: Yeah, so this is not researched at all. I'm not based in any truth. But I just thought that the eyeglasses that they're wearing look very similar to solar eclipse glasses. So maybe, you know, some foreshadowing for the day
1: of Black Sun.
2: <laughs> That's true. I That's funny. I actually
1: kind of thought that, too, which is really funny. Yeah.
2: They look like 3D glasses to me. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, I like that. Yeah. Foreshadowing moment number two. Um, Yeah. So then they go into this bar uh, to like order a fruity beverage. uh, But then Aang knocks over another man's drink and he's like, no worries. I clean up easy. And he airbends to, you know, clean the liquid off of him.
0: Yeah, my first thought is like, wow, this is very incredibly stupid thing for Aang to do. Not only is he in foreign lands occupied by the Fire Nation, but he's like airbending everywhere. What happened to, you know, like their intricate disguises and everything, like Ponsu Pimpadolofsikopolis the third. Now he's just airbending everywhere.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's silly. it's not really occupied by the Fire Nation, is it? It's kind of like maybe he thinks it's safe because it's the middle of nowhere, which is also still kind of foolish because, like, they could be anywhere.
1: Yeah. My thought doing this little thing was this is actually the second time that Aang performs airbending in the episode. And the first time he does it, when he's sitting down on the ground and he wants to get up, he just airbends himself up
2: uh, in the first <laughs> scene.
1: And then this one, he, like, is dirty and then airbends himself clean. So... I just remember Justin talking about like um bending coming kind of being in handy for practical day-to-day activities and it sounds good if you don't need to make any effort to get up or clean yourself. So.
2: Yeah. I was in
1: favor of air bending there.
2: Wow. Good catch. That's funny. Um yeah, so then Obviously, you know, he's not being very discreet. And so this Professor Zay goes like oh, you're a living relic. And he introduces himself to the gang as the head of anthropology at Bosingse University. Um, and he's like so taken with Aang because he's an airbender, and he starts like asking him all these probing questions and like taking measurements and just being all around intrusive and weird. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I noticed at some point he like took out like a skull measurement device. Um, I don't know, that's kind of problematic because like, you know, the Belgians use that to justify eugenics and stuff. I was like, hmm, what's going on here?
2: Yeah, yeah, it's definitely like, oh, when you're like in search of knowledge, like it can blind you to just anything else, like being considerate of like the things and the people you're studying. And Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, Ooh, some anyways. foreshadowing.
0: yeah, exactly.
2: Yeah. Oh yeah, I know. That's <laughs> yep. like what this episode is all about. Yep. Um, so then Sokka asks professor if he has a current map, um, in hopes of finding a map of the fire nation, but he actually just shows them the map of this, the desert. And then Katara notices that he, the professor has made a lot of trips into the desert. And Zay explains that he's looking for Wan Chitong's library.
0: Yeah, it's pretty cool. At the bottom of the scroll, in Chinese, it says, which translates to, um, so one is a thousand, so it's also like 万知堂, uh, 10,000. Um, and then, uh, j is like da, which means to know, and Tang is Hall, so it's like the place you go to know ten thousand things. Oh. And then mm. Shen means mysterious, and then Tusu means library. So it's the mysterious library where you go to know ten thousand things. Wow, it's pretty
1: cool. Awesome, we have a, a Chinese cool. expert here to translate.
2: um But yeah, and then Zay continues and says, according to legend, it was built by the great knowledge spirit Wang Shi Tong with the help of his foxy knowledge seekers.
0: Yeah, so I actually don't know where they get the uh, words for this, but uh, wan shi tong roughly becomes wan shi tong, which means you know ten thousand again, and then shi tong means everything, so it means you know, to know ten thousand things. And I have to shout out to my friend Roger who brought up the point that Knowing 10,000 things is actually not a lot of things, right? Like you can like hypothetically know 10,000 numbers and boom, that's 10,000 things. So I don't know, this bird really smart. Uh, it's kind of, it's kind of dubious. Um, but then I did a little bit more research and apparently in Taoism, uh, 10,000 things is a very important number. And it represents like everything, like the universe. And it comes from this poem in a part of some document called the Tao Te Ching. I'm probably butchering that. And the poem goes something like, the Tao that can be told is not the eternal Tao. The name that can be named is not the eternal name. The nameless is the beginning of heaven and earth. The named is the mother of 10,000 things. So that's where that comes from. Um. So... Really, my friend Raj is wrong. This bird knows
2: everything. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he's just humble bragging, really. That's what he's doing. (laughs) (laughs) I only know 10,000 things. Psych! (laughs) Yeah. Um, Cool. And then Zay says, Wan Shi Tong and his knowledge seekers collected books from all over the world and put them on display for mankind to read. And then he shows them a sketch of the library.
1: Yeah. And now I can bring in some of my Indian background and culture here, but
2: (laughs) 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 Wow. Finally, you can contribute Uh, something something.
1: (laughs) and it's not even (laughs) that meaningful at all, because probably a lot of you thought this, but, um, yeah, that sketch looks a lot like the Taj Mahal. Um, and then I did some research and yeah, so the inspiration behind it was, it's actually kind of a mix between the Taj Mahal, which is like, um, a big, um, palace um, in India that was built many centuries ago and um, it was also the Hagia Sophia was an inspiration for it too which is um, a church converted into a mosque in in Istanbul so if you look at a picture of those you can kind of see it is kind of a cross between those two buildings which is kind of cool
0: oh that makes sense has a big dome that
1: doesn't yeah. have any supports yeah huge dome and then the four pillars on like on each of the corners. That's mm-hmm. also a common feature between both of those. Ah, interesting.
2: Oh. Yeah,
1: that's that's what cued me to the Taj Mahal. It's like the four four pillars on the corners mm-hmm. and then the big dome in the middle. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Interesting. Really cool. Sad we don't get to see it. We only get to see a sketch of it, but not the yeah. whole, like outside and all its glory. I feel like that would be cool.
0: Yeah. Another interesting fact, and this is later on in the episode, but the capital, so the top part of the columns of the, uh, the columns, I guess, <laughs> are actually <laughs> owls, which is pretty cool. Oh, it's really? A nice. Uh, oh. I
1: didn't notice that. Small detail. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Nice. Um, so then Sokka asks whether the library might have a map of the Fire Nation and declares, Aang, I do believe it's my turn. I'd like to spend my vacation at the library. <laughs> <Gosh>. <laughs> um, and yeah, I thought this was so funny. And um, I actually have an actual comment that's not just me thinking it's funny, which is this: the way this is animated when he's like, the library is very similar to uh, Katara's animation of when she says, earthbending style and imprisoned <laughs> it's like super like over the top and there's like sh- like stripes of color in the background and like i don't know it was just like really hilarious um yeah so then zay's like unfortunately the desert is impossible to cross and then sokka's like professor would you like to see our sky bison and then he's like a sky bison you actually have one
0: Uh, This is more examples of Team Avatar being really stupid, telling this (laughs) random dude they just met, they have a Sky Bison, so they're obviously Team Avatar now. And I just think back to the episode Jet where there's like the old man who's like, It's them! Yeah, yeah.
1: And then they get caught. Yeah, (laughs) that's true. They've learned Mm -hmm. nothing. (laughs) So then uh, they leave the bar to go into the desert. And as they leave the bar, um, we see a shot of the sandbenders once again, getting close to Appa and then Appa kind of growls at them and they run off, which is some more not so subtle foreshadowing of what's to come. Uh, and then says like, sandbenders, shoo, away from the bison. Uh, and they leave and they leave on their sand cells, which are pretty cool. They're these little contraptions that, a boat to sail across the desert and they, they have a sail and then they, the wind that they generate is they make these like little tornadoes out of sand that um, will generate the, the wind to move the sails around so they can travel. And this kind of got me thinking because um, it reminded me a lot of airbending. And as we see in a future episode, Aang kind of uses his airbending to generate that same kind of tornado that powers one of these sand sails. Um, and like Justin was saying last time, I, I was thinking back to how Justin was saying last episode, how different forms of bending kind of come into being when people are of one bending form, but kind of take the culture of a different, um, culture. And, um, as we, I guess, come to see, and as we kind of know, these sandbenders are kind of nomadic peoples cause they, you know, there's not many resources there. They have to move around a lot. And that kind of reminded me. It's very similar to the airbenders and so like they kind of have mm. cultural similarities in certain ways to the airbenders. So it's kind of reflected in their bending style.
2: That's cool. Yeah. Another thing I read was that like your sand does move in kind of a flow like in flows mm-hmm. and that's actually also kind of similar to water bending. So it's like mm-hmm. their bending styles more similar to air and water bending and like much closer to those types of bending than like earth bending even. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah. you guys were definitely thinking at, like, three levels higher than I was because I was just thinking, like, oh, Dyson vacuums also use mini-tornadoes, so vacuum cleaners are earth-bending and air-bending and also fire-bending because they use electricity, so I'm like, wow. Oh, wow.
2: Wow. It's the Avatar! It's a machine! It's manifested as a machine in our modern world, the Dyson vacuum.
1: Oh, man. That's great. Um, yeah, just one more note that I thought was interesting. So the desert they're going into is called the Siwang Desert. Maybe you guys can pronounce that a lot better than me. Um, and, like, so these... Um, Sandbenders are also called Siwang groups, in general Siwang people. Um, but Siwong actually translates to death or something along the lines of that. Justin, I don't know if you have a better translation, but yeah, it's a pretty good name for a desert. Whoa. Mm, yeah, I didn't even scary. think about that. That
0: means death. Uh, so, yeah, there you go. Yeah,
1: there you go. Cool.
0: Well, uh, (laughs) Team Avatar hopefully isn't dying anytime soon, Uh, (laughs) but there's a mini montage of them flying away and as they're flying away. I just have to say Sokka's uh, fit looks super cool. He has these like arm straps. He's shirtless. He's Mm -hmm. like... (laughs) like hatch his t-shirt into this pretty cool looking cap and he's got a binocular like a singular binocular monocle I don't know what to call this thing telescope there we go Um, he looks like a cross between detective Sokka and like cool guy captain Sokka oh yeah yeah
2: yeah. it it is cool but anyway
0: Toph is blind so she can't admire Sokka so
2: (laughs) she's like very blind in the air
0: very bored in the air sorry and then she says oh this place doesn't even exist and then the professor goes some say it doesn't <laughs> um and the Toph like becomes visibly dejected And then uh, she starts, you know, decides like it's time to start screwing with everyone else. And she's like, "Oh, like there it is!" And she points, and then everyone like jumps up. They're super excited. And she's like, "That's what it'll sound like when one of you spots it." And she's like waving her hand in front of her face. Um, And then there's like a pretty like dopey music going on. So you know, basically, top can hang.
2: Yeah, this is so funny. And it also got me so good. Like when she was like, there it is. Like, I thought that was when they find it. And like, it's it was just such an effective joke. And yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's actually really top. good.
1: I didn't realize this until like I saw your comment, but I thought this whole time she was just like annoying them because she's like, oh, I thought I saw it. But like, it's because she's blind. Like she could never have seen it. You know, I didn't put that together.
2: Yeah, <laughs> no, she, she's she's operating good. on yeah. like five levels exactly. above us so. all. Yeah, um, yeah, so I think something I read online that was I found very interesting was that Toph's blindness actually takes like plays a major major role in this episode in a way that we haven't seen it before. Like, obviously, she's been really jocular and like I don't know cheeky about her blindness, and I feel like it's like. She's obviously accepted it because, you know, she's who she is. But like at the same time, like has she completely. So in this episode, we see her like really bored and really feeling really useless. And actually, you know, at the end, failing in a pretty sad way because she she's so like um, helpless in the sand and in the sky and every and every situation in this episode. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, it's like she's able to make jokes and you know, be okay with it most of the time, but this episode really makes you realize how hard it must be for Toph to just like be in these situations and how hard it really is for her to like have the disability of being blind, even though she's like still such an amazing earthbender. So I feel like we see a little bit of her like, um, her weakness actually get to her in this episode.
0: So uh, as everyone's recovering from the blind and disabled girl making jokes about being blind, Saka actually sees the tip of the library and he points it out.
2: Yeah, and I also read this somewhere and I was like, "Yeah, it's so true." Why did Wang Shitong not sink the library completely? So you would imagine that, like, it was—I don't know if it was always in the desert, but it was probably like there in all its glory. And then you know, he's kind of wanted to hide away, you know, hide it because of Zhao, but it's still kind of visible and obviously he can make it totally disappear. So I'm kind of confused as to like what the state of his library is, at least what his intentions are for it. Um, but yeah, anyways, lucky, lucky that, you know, he's still willing to give humans one more chance.
1: Yeah. Well, I guess like kind of backfires him in some way because the people that come are kind of crazy people that actually end up finding it. Um, but yeah, I'm, it's interesting that we never get the background for why exactly it's sinking or did he do that or what's going on with it? So,
2: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, so they land next to the library and they see a fox carrying a scroll into the tower.
1: Yeah, so the fox is super cool. Um, some of the inspiration behind foxes as these knowledge seekers uh, comes from some Eastern cultures actually. In both Korean and Japanese cultures. So in Korea there's this concept of the nine-tailed foxes and I'm no expert of Korean or Japanese uh, mythology but (laughs) apparently um, these foxes actually brought books to the king in a certain age um, of mythology. Um, And there's also this Japanese uh, mythical figure called the Kitsune um, which was kind of a a fox-like figure um, which also like search for knowledge. So there's some precedent for this, which is cool.
0: Yeah. It's also in Mexican culture, actually. Uh, We have Swiper, (laughs) 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 who's
1: always stealing culture from
2: people. Oh my god. (laughs) (laughs) That was great. (laughs) Oh my god. Yeah, so then Sokka suggests they climb through the window and give it a look. And Toph's like, I say you guys go ahead without me. And Katara's like, you got something against libraries? And then Toph's like, I've held books before, and I gotta tell you, they don't exactly do it for me. And Katara's like, oh, right, sorry. And I thought, this is so awkward. (laughs) And actually, like... I feel like that her response because she's clearly kind of annoyed that Toph says that, and to be fair, Toph is annoyed already because she hates books and like is blind, so she like <laughs> is like, "You guys go without me." But then Katara probably is still feeling like, "Oh, this is just Toph being Toph," you know, not trying to be a part of the team because um, you know they've had mm-hmm. issues with that before. Mm-hmm. So I can I kind of like get Katara's response, but obviously, like I don't know. So there's still a little bit of friction, I think. Yeah. Yeah, but then Aang's just like, okay, like, you can stay outside with Appa.
1: And then the gang minus Toph and Appa goes into the library. Actually, one note before this is that when Aang tells Appa that he can stay outside, he says, don't worry, Appa, I'll never bring you underground again. And that's a reference to the Cave of Two Lovers when he brings Appa into the cave and Appa kind of goes crazy because mm. Appa hates it. So little detail there. Um, But yeah, the gang minus um, Toph and Appa plus Professor Zay goes into the library (laughs) and for the first thing Zay says uh, as they go down their rope that they magically get um, is, look at those beautiful buttresses. And Sokka and Aang just (laughs) giggle and Zay's like, what's funny? And Aang's like, nothing. We just like architecture.
2: Yeah. I just love this humor. I think it is for me. I think it is for the kids. I think we all love love that they included this because it's so dumb. Uh, but like you know that this got a laugh out of every single kid
0: that watched the show. You have to break up, you know the disability jokes or something like yeah.
2: Uh, yeah. Some,
0: some kid humor. Yeah.
1: Uh, yeah, so then they get all the way down and we see this giant owl approach and the gang hides behind the bookshelves and then Wan Shi Tong, the owl, says, I know you're back there. And I just wanted to comment on the voice actor here because the whole episode, this voice was actually familiar to me and I was like, I have no idea who this is though." So I'm going to out myself here and um, the owl is actually voiced by this guy whose name is Hector Elizondo who was the bodyguard in The Princess Diaries, the love interest of the grandmother, which both of you, I don't know if you know it, but I feel like our audience might know it. Um, this iconic movie. <laughs> I'm gonna out myself more and say I've watched it pretty recently, so that's why the voice was actually <laughs> super familiar to me. Um, but anyways. That's so funny. Yeah, he's got a, he's got a pretty distinct voice, but it's, it's a good one for this. But um, so anyway, uh, Zay uh, pops out from behind the bookshelves and introduces himself. Um, And then Wan-Shi-Tang is like, no, you guys have to leave. Uh, And Sokka asks if he is a spirit who brought this library into the physical world. And Wan-Shi-Tang says, I am Wan-Shi-Tang, he who knows 10,000 things. And you're obviously humans, which, by the way, are no longer permitted in my study. And then they kind of have a dialogue. And Aang says, we will not abuse the knowledge in your library, good spirit. You have my word.
0: Uh, it's being <laughs> a
1: bad monk again. He's just
0: yeah. like stone-faced, lying to the spirit, and it's like, of course they're gonna kick you out and try to eat you because you're that <laughs> avatar lying to his spirit. Yeah,
1: that was a pretty egregious one. That yeah. Aired.
2: Yeah. And if
0: Aang has learned anything, spirits who turn their heads are not friendly spirits. Because the last <laughs> one was Ko. <laughs>
1: Aang's really regressive. in this episode. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then Wan Tang listens to the avatar and allows them to peruse the collection on one condition. He says, to prove your worth as scholars, you have to contribute something worthwhile knowledge. So Zay pulls out this book and gives it to Wang Tang. And Wang Tang does this like awesome animation where he swipes his wing over the book and it just like disappears. Yeah. So I thought that was super cool. Um, it was. And then Katara donates the waterbending scroll, which is actually the same one that she stole from the pirates long ago. Um, Aang donates <laughs> the wanted poster himself. <laughs> and that's the one um, from the deserter that they see uh, at the beginning of that episode. And then Sokka is kind of like, eh, I don't have anything. And then he like real quick makes this bow out of string and he's like, here's a special knot. And then um, Wanshee Tong is like, um, you're not so bright, are you? Or something. <laughs> and like, I guess my comment is on this, and this is like, as Joy said, a theme that comes up throughout the episode is the difference between, it's the pursuit of knowledge, but it's the difference between like intellectual knowledge and practical knowledge. So I, I think that the, the knot that Saka made like is not devoid of any knowledge, right? It's, it, it is probably a special knot. Like it does look kind of intricate. And if it is, that's like actual real practical knowledge, you know, that it could be useful. But Aang, like donating a wanted poster himself, like what use <laughs> is that? It's just on a scroll, which is why I like it. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just wait. I a- feel like... Mm-hmm.
2: I was gonna say I feel like the wanted poster could be legit because they, he there's probably a whole collection of Information and like historical stuff about avatars, about avatars yeah. and so like, oh my gosh, it's like we have an illustration of the avatar, yeah, you know? Yeah,
0: yeah that's. So I feel like that could
2: sure. like be valuable. Mm-hmm.
0: So I just have to say, this whole street spart versus book spart like debate going on. Uh, Sokka is actually really stupid because owls have good hearing, and he's just like muttering this yeah, like, kind of loud true. under his breath. <laughs> Yeah. Um so I don't know. Sokka being quite the fool here. But also I just had this thought. Uh so Wang Chi Tong now knows Sokka is a liar, Katara's a criminal, is, sorry, Katara's a, a thief, <laughs> Aang is a criminal, and there's Momo. So, you know, uh it's not looking good for Team Avatar, <laughs> but Momo is the redeeming quality.
2: That's why he tries to grab him <laughs> later. <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
0: Uh-huh. Um then for some humor, it cuts to outside. And then Toph, I guess, through some exposition, tells Appa that the sand makes everything look fuzzy, which will become important later. And the only reason she would tell that to Appa is for exposition purposes. And then she says mm-hmm. not that there's anything wrong with fuzzy, because um, she doesn't want to insult the anthropomorphized bison.
2: <laughs> yeah, it was cute, though. Yeah. Um, yeah so then, after that brief detour, we go back to the library um and there's this big statue of a bird,
0: yeah, I think it's like a statue of uh the owl, but with the elongated neck, mm. which is what he uh, turns into like a serpentine neck, which is what he turns into later in the episode. Mm-hmm. It's like also more foreshadowing here um. And then yeah, I can see it. Yeah, Aang is apparently flipping through one of the most important scrolls in all of Avatar <laughs> history, uh, but the page he like quickly flips past. I think it's a dragon, which maybe some foreshadowing to, you know. Wow, that's a really good catch. The uh, Fire Nation Sun People, the Fire yeah Firebending Masters. Yeah. yeah. that's a crazy catch. Yeah,
2: great catch. Um, but what he does kind of land on is this illustration of these weird lion turtle things. And, yeah, obviously, like, this is evidence for the fact that the finale was totally planned and totally (laughs) valid as a solution to the 100-year war (laughs) Um, energy bending solution. But, yeah, it's just kind of cool because, I mean, yeah, I feel like the show is so great because it is really planned. Like, I think they, you know, they knew they were going to do three seasons and it's nice that they can drop in these Easter eggs and stuff.
0: Yeah. Um and then Saka is also being a thief and he's stealing a bunch of books and then he steals this book and the title is Zibai which I don't think there's a good translation for but I think like the closest thing is just like empty white book. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um so Saka is <laughs> not doing too great.
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Um yeah. So then uh, he does find something of use and he finds this burnt page that says the darkest day in Fire Nation history.
0: <clears throat> yeah. So on this page is two columns. I gave up after the first column because it took a while. But I think the first column is mm-hmm. and I'm missing a word in there that I can't translate. But it roughly translates to the blindest uh, day in Fire Nation history.
1: Hmm, wow.
2: Mm, cool. Um, so yeah, then he says, it's got a date at the top, but it doesn't say anything else. And speaking of egregious, like talking to yourself, I thought this was actually egregious self monologuing (laughs) because when he finds this burnt page, he's not around the rest of the team at all. Who says that? It's got a date (laughs) at the top. (laughs) Like Maybe like, maybe like interesting or like, whoa, Mm -hmm. it was just really funny. Um. And then he takes the page, or steals it, and tries to go figure out what happened on that day. Um, And so they go to the Fire Nation section of the library, and they find that all the materials have been destroyed by the firebenders.
1: So, yeah, I don't think we brought this up yet, but um, in Season 1, when Admiral Zhao is talking to Iroh on the bow of his ship as they approach the Northern Water Tribe, he tells Iroh how he found a hidden library underground somewhere in the Earth Kingdom, And that's just like a little comment that he threw in there. But as we later see, um, he actually came to this library and used... This was a library where he found out that the moon spirit was in um, a living form on Earth. Um, And so this is also likely how the Fire Nation section is burned, probably. Mm -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, I mean, to Zhao's credit here, he's a naval officer in the middle of a desert. (laughs) he, He really, you know really went out of his way to find this resourceful dude yeah
2: um yeah so then this little weird fox guy asaka calls it tries to you know call their attention and get them all to follow him to the planetarium
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, i just thought of this but i i want to call out that you know we've mentioned before how the comedic relief in the show is either sokka or it's the fire bending like soldiers and i think the stand in here is the foxes cuz like the whole objective of these foxes are is like to get a treat yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah so you know with that in mind the fox is on a mission and the foxes take them to the planetarium and one of the fox dudes or girl uh you know not making any assumptions here opens the top and they see a whole bunch of stars and moons and you know like cycles it's very obviously like a very intricate situation um, and then Katara tells Sokka that he should try entering the date in the dial, uh, information of which she would not have heard because she wasn't anywhere close to Sokka, as we mentioned earlier. So I don't know. I think Sokka is being a lot louder than he thinks he actually is. <laughs> uh, but I do want to mention that the dial in the center is a big yin and yang, uh,
1: symbol, which, you know, ties into the whole Taoist theme that's going on throughout the rest of this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, And then the outer dials, which are kind of concentric circles around that. The first one, I believe, is the month. So there are 12 symbols. The second one is the day. There are 30 symbols. The third one, I believe, is unknown. Like no one was able to actually figure out what the third one represented. Uh, And then the fourth one, the outermost one, is um, zodiac symbols, which is kind of interesting. Anyway... Uh, then
0: Sokka, you know, pulls the lever, does his thing, somehow he knows how to operate this thing just off the bat and like puts the date in and the moon covers the sun and everything turns dark and everyone's like, Oh, what the heck's going on? And then Sokka's like, Oh, the sun is behind the moon. It's a solar eclipse. It's literally the darkest day in Fire Nation history. Now I get it. Something awful has happened here. I don't know what, but I do know why firebenders lose their bending during a solar eclipse. And then he says, we've got to get this information to the Earth King at Bossing say. We'll wait for the next eclipse. Then we'll invade the Fire Nation and it'll be totally helpless. The Fire Lord is going down.
2: Woohoo! <laughs> um, so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think it's cool. This is literally the halfway point in the entire show. And it's cool because, I mean, maybe Sok is being a little optimistic and, you know, he's just hyped. He He feels like he has this edge. But I feel like this will really define the goal for the team from here on out until obviously the plan fails but like before the goal was just we will learn the elements in time for Susan's Comet and then I guess he'll just fight Susan and hope that it's enough but now they actually have this a little bit of uh, an element of surprise and like a, an actual edge on the Fire Nation in terms of like w- tactical war stuff um, mm-hmm. and we'll see that it actually becomes a lot the rest of the series actually becomes a lot more about like, how do they all organize to fight an actual war versus how do we just get Aang to like learn the elements? Um, mm-hmm. so it's kind of cool.
0: Yeah. And then we get a classic TV trope here where a character says thing about person who's listening in the background and Wang Chi a shadow of him appears and he's like, mortals are so predictable and such terrible liars. You betrayed my trust, and I and intend to misuse knowledge for evil purposes. And Sokka retorts, if anyone's evil, it's the Fire Nation. They're destructive and dangerous. And then uh, Wang Tang goes, you think you're the first person to believe their war was justified? And then Aang says, we had no choice, defending his lie. We're just trying to protect the people we love. And then Wang Tang says, and now I'm going to protect what I love and take knowledge back so no one else can abuse it ever again. So then, the Longchitong, the bird, the owl, starts flapping his wings and the whole library starts sinking down. Which, you know, if he has this much power, it just kind of brings a question why he just doesn't like kill the Avatar and, like instantaneously. <laughs> um, and he starts like uh, going after them, elongates his neck. Um, and then Sokka makes it back to the planetarium because he's like, oh, we have to find out when the next date is, and he's, you know, this is very clearly like risking his life for knowledge here, Um, very thematic. And Katara's like, oh, don't do it, and they have this whole tiff, but he goes and does it anyway. And then they just keep trying like brute force, like every single day, like Sokka's never learned
1: about binary search. Well, another shortcut they could have used is this. So actually, um, before I do that, so I kind of saw a comment, um, talking about, so how many days did they actually look at, right? Like how many days was it actually? So we know that when the gang gets to the earth kingdom and talks to earth general, the earth general says there's two months until the eclipse. And so we can probably give them a month or a month and a half or whatever, like one to two months for them to actually get to that point. Um, with earth general so that means it's about four months probably that they look at so it's like 120 days um Mm. but also one thing i saw too that was like a shortcut they could have used and this is your daily dose of or weekly or (laughs) this is your dose of uh good signs (laughs) for the episode uh solar eclipse can only occur during a new moon because an eclipse is when the moon is between the sun and the earth. And so from the earth's perspective, we only see the dark side of the moon, which is new moon. The
2: dark side of and the Sokka moon. Being a of
1: the <laughs> <laughs> and Saka, being a member of the water tribe would probably know something, a thing or two about uh, the lunar calendar or something. So they could have mm. potentially just looked up the days of new moon. And yeah. see if that aligns. Because he's I not buy it, right. It, right. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Some uh, intellectual knowledge may have helped. Uh, yeah, help suck out there.
2: Yeah. So then they uh, leave and they run away. But in the meantime, you know this library has been sinking this whole time because uh, Wan Tong is popping off, and <laughs> the sand vendors are like coming up to Appa and they're trying to steal him again. But Toph is actually the sole savior of team avatar just holding the library up and keeping it from sinking too fast um so unfortunately i mean she actually does try to shoot a few blasts of sand kind of at the sandbenders but obviously she's not very effective with sand and so they do get away with appa and she's still trying to hold the library up and she says i'm sorry appa um yeah and I was like, oh man, if they hadn't gone back for the uh, solar eclipse info, Oppo would still be there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sad.
1: It was very sad, though. That actually went tough, does it? Kind of gets me a little bit, but. Uh, we flash back into the library, and Wanshi Tong is still chasing Katara even though she was supposed to escape before Aang and Sokka got back. So while they're searching through 120 days, Katara is just being chased by Wanshee Tong. So then Aang and Sokka actually come to their rescue, and right before they come, Wanshi Tong is about to get Katara, and he's saying he studied all these forms of waterbending and can take her, and then Sokka just comes down from the sky and then knocks out Wanshi Tong. And he's like, Sokka style, learn it. And then um, they all escape. And it's just interesting because in the end, the show is like, yeah, this like practical knowledge, like soccer knowledge is more important than like the intellectual, like knowledge for knowledge sake thing. Um, Which it seems like they're making it pretty clear, which is interesting because like in the end, that's what actually matters for humans on Earth and not just knowledge for knowledge sake. Um, but yeah, so they all start to escape and professor Zay refuses. And he says, I'm not leaving. I can't, I spent too long trying to find this place. There's not another connection of knowledge like this on earth. I could spend an eternity here. And you slowly just come to the realization that he's literally sacrificing himself and he will likely die. Yeah, actually,
0: uh, spoilers. In Cora, we see the remains of a person slumped over, and it, it's Professor Zay.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, which is also a pretty um, interesting take, because in Cora. I feel like it's the opposite. Like, she is the embodiment of street smarts, mm. but she doesn't get anywhere. And it's yeah. like, you know, uh, Republic Industries and, like, all these other innovations that move society forward.
2: Mm, wow, yeah.
0: It kind of is, like like the life of a graduate PhD student. Right? <laughs> <laughs> like you're, you're sacrificing your life. You make no money trying to solve some esoteric problem.
1: Yeah. So it's interesting. Cause it's not like, that's kind of like the saving grace of the knowledge for knowledge sake. Like it's dark that he's going to die, but it's kind of like almost admirable, you know, mm-hmm. there's that thread of like, wow, he's actually doing that for knowledge sake and people like that exist. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but anyway, So Aang sweeps them up as they're about to fall into the library and they get out. And Toph finally lets the library sink. And Sokka's out there celebrating and he says, the Fire Nation is in trouble now. And Aang goes to Toph and he asks, where's Appa? Not what's Appa, where's Appa? And Toph shakes her head (laughs) and Aang knows he's gone and just starts tearing up.
2: Yes, and on that sad and uh, ominous note, let's get on with our ratings.
1: Okay. I will give this episode a six. Um, I have seen this episode so many times, so many times I was kind of coming into it, expecting to give it a lower rating just by the fact that I've seen it so many times. Um, but I feel like the more I did research, the more I just appreciated this episode for what it is there is a lot of world building here, a lot of people and things we've never seen before and the sandbenders and sandbending and the whole Washington Library and all of that. There's a lot of work that went into it and I, I definitely do appreciate it. Um, you know, that being said, there's it's definitely, you know, not the most interesting episode overall, but the theme of like knowledge and all that stuff, I don't know, I, I definitely appreciated more how much work went into this episode. So that's why I'm giving a six.
0: Yeah, I'm going to give it an eight. I think... You know, world-bending, (laughs) world-building for world-building's sake is never great, but it's just done so tastefully in this episode. Um, Like, everything's fascinating. Like, I feel like every single last detail was given special consideration all the way down to, you know, like how gophers interact with music. Um, And... I feel like this is the inflection point for the episode. Like, I found Bitter Work kind of boring. Um, I don't think Zuko Alone was the inflection point. I think, like, the episodes do get quite better after this. Like, it really does feel like Team Avatar. We learned so many crucial pieces of information in this episode. Um, and, you know, I think Washington Tong is such a fascinating character. We, like, obviously de- have debated this uh, question, and I don't think it comes to, like, a, a really solid conclusion because it is just like it's such a hard uh question to answer Mm -hmm. um and i feel like they tackle these themes really well especially given you know it's a kid show um and the fact that wang chi tong is revisited in cora when jinora uh, comes through and you know i think it's a testament to how interesting he is a is as a character and you know the uh, the fact that we lose Apa here is also just like fascinating. I don't know. I think all around is a really solid episode, and I do have to say the fact that Onen seen it so often, I think, is uh, a bonus. It means it's <laughs> worth rewatching, and I think anything that's eight or above is worth rewatching.
2: i am going go in the middle as usual for whatever reason, um, and I gave it a seven. And yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, I think I'm not going higher just because it's not one of those like. Super rewatchable ones because of the, let's say, humor or the action or like the cinematography or whatever. But yeah, I think the world building is incredible. I think the concept of the library is like so awesome and Wan Chi Tong is so layered, you know, as we've discussed this whole episode. Like, yeah, he's just so intriguing. Like, is he good? Is he bad? Like, who can say? But um yeah, also just the fact that it, you know, completely changes the tide of, you know, the whole series with what the team is trying to accomplish and just, like, I don't know, everything. It, it does feel like the inflection point, like what Justin was saying. And, you know, it had its funny moments and, uh, yeah, real cliffhanger at the end with, you know, what are they going to do with this information? What's going to happen to Appa? Um, yeah, crazy stuff. I, I forget, like, how much happens in this episode.
0: Yeah, I feel like I'd be remiss not to to bring up this connection, but... Uh, it's kind of like the Library of Alexandria, right? This like huge massive collection of knowledge that was well in history's case burned down, but in in, in the world's case lost to the sands.
2: Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. Good reference to sneak in there. Um, before we wrap up. So. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We hope you enjoyed our discussion of the library. As always, we release on What's Appa Wednesdays, so we'll see you next time for our discussion of the desert, which is part two of this saga of the Fury of Aang. Um, If you want to stay up to date on when we release or submit thoughts or questions on the episodes, be sure to follow us on Instagram at at what's underscore appa, like our Facebook page, or you can email us at what's appapod at gmail.com. Also, subscribe or follow our podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like the episode, be sure to hit us with a five-star rating. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time. Bye.
1: Bye. Play me a